Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and welcome to part two of the Porcupine Tree album by album. Uh, if you haven't checked out part one, make sure you do that, but thank you for tuning in if you've checked out part one already. Um, this episode we're going to cover Fear of a Blank Planet, the incident, and possibly closer continuation. It depends on how long... Uh, Craig and I talked. Uh, I'm starting here at the beginning of the episode. Um, I'm about to edit it. So this is my short little intro. Welcome to the show. We'll start with Fear of a Blank Planet. If you want to hear us talk about Deadwing and In Absentia, check out the previous episode. But for now, let's hit the music. somewhere tour as it was called and they actually played this next album at least part of it in its entirety did you see that i did um so the gist of this this was a 2006 tour the show i saw was again at the keswick uh october 7th i did make it this time in time uh and didn't miss <laughs> any songs they performed most of the new album in full and i'll get into details when we're in the album but the gist of this tour was that uh the first set would be the new album they would not tell you the title of the album they would not tell you any of the song titles uh so it was basically uh we are playing the new album for you this is uh your kind of surprise uh and then the second set was um Kind of just like a, a you know a scattering of of various things, but the the obvious obviously the selling point here was getting to hear the new album before uh, it came out, and it, it's tough to I can't even really think of my opinion on it because it, it's tough having only heard it once at that point. Like uh, it wasn't until the album came out. Uh, and and we're heading there quickly, but uh, it wasn't until then that it was like okay, yeah, I do remember this bit. Uh, there was one song that stuck out more than the others, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but uh, yeah, it was an interesting tour and super fun for that reason. And kind of, I don't know, I often kind of forget that it happened just because it's such a weird uh, thing that happened like uh, out of order or between things. But it was a cool thing to uh, to experience. And I'm glad that uh, that I got the opportunity to do it. It was the first time that I actually respected the... Um, please do not tape our shows 
because we're performing <laughs> a new album and we'd rather keep it special. And for that reason, I think um, I would love to hear, and I think I've found a few, but um, it, it's one of those things where like, I haven't found like a whole, I would love to go back to it and just see if anything changed. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it's just something I never went back and did. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was super interesting and leads us nicely into where we're going. Yeah, it does. Um, I thought it was cool. I, I was listening to an interview with Steven from around the, that time and he said they kind of did that because they got really familiar with the material and they got comfortable with it and they went in and recorded it in a nice, you know, timely fashion. Released April 16th, 2007, we get Porcupine Tree's Fear of a Blank Planet. potentially contentious opinion <laughs> uh with the fans Can i say there. something before you say that yeah this is probably widely considered to be their best yeah um i don't know why it gets that <laughs> i don't think it's bad like i said i think everything here today is wonderful and you can't go wrong with any of this but this is an album i have to be in the mood for and i can't say that about anything else we're going to talk about today i have to be in the mood to listen to this one on one hand, he's done what he's doing here. Like the, the album is a it's a concept album about overmedicated kid over medicated kids and screen time and basically kind of, you know, what's gonna happen to the youth of today with all this stimulation and all this like, you know, Ritalin and all that stuff, which I will admit his hatred of video games sometimes comes off as old man yells at cloud. That's mm -hmm. just me. But I, I know where, I, get, I get where he's coming from with the overmedicated kids thing. I I understand that. But he creates the feel and the mood of someone being like medicated so well. Like if you've ever like been on pain pills for like a surgery or something, some of these songs have that weird hazy feel that you get like when you're on like medication for like pain mm -hmm. or something like that. And because of that, the album can feel a little sleepy to me at times. I don't think, again, I don't think this is a bad thing. I think this is a, a great album, but I just don't get why this one gets all the praise heaped on it that it does, because I feel like Deadwing deserves that type of praise. And this one, while great, is probably just like underneath Deadwing in, in absentia for me. It's it's a weird album to me in that, aside from one, none of these songs would probably be in my top 10. One would be solidly in there, if not at the number one spot. It's a very high, high Having said that, this album might be the one that has the best flow as an album. I don't think there's anything here that I listen to and I'm like, this doesn't fit. Um, 
my criticism with the album is is the lyrics really when you say old man yelling at cloud like i get that from fear of a blank planet kind of um not even that just like him 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 putting himself in the shoes of a, of a an over medicated kid singing the lyrics to the song um uh, but but there are a lot of references to pills and quote unquote yeah. quote unquote the pills I'm taking that it becomes a recurring theme that I don't think is strong enough to survive lyrically across a whole album. Like I feel like every re every every reference after the first one to pills should have been presented in a different way. Like it, it kind of just and it, it's nitpicky but like i feel like he's kind of beat me over the head with the pills thing and i i already get the concept like i don't need you to tell me that you're a kid on pills we've established that very very clearly in the lyrics earlier in this album if you didn't look at the album art which is full of pills so like i get it and i get exactly exactly what you just the cd in your version is just pills yeah. um uh, but I think musically, and one of the interesting things about this, uh, around this time they had a, a club called Residents of a Blank Planet, which was kind of like a Porcupine Tree Street team, and they sent you a lot of cool MP3s, the first of which was an, an instrumental version of the entire album. Um, and and I loved that. And that's actually, weirdly, it's something he does now with pretty much everything he remixes um even for other artists like yes there's like an instrumental versions of the albums he's remixing for them it's kind of just what he does now um but it, it's just kind of like when the when the references to pills just keep coming up i'm like okay it's i i'm, I'm kind of done with the pills thing I, i'm interested in the concept but i just think that lyrically it could have been done a little better having said that i think musically this album is fantastic oh, and yes. i think that's why yeah I, what's that Yes, a hundred percent. Okay, I thought you said almost. I thought yeah, you were no, going to come out with a no, 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 no. <laughs> but I, but I think that's why. I think it's it. I think it's that this this album doesn't have a a wedding nails or a shallow. That's kind of like maybe too much of a turn. I think the flow of this album is fantastic. It's only the lyrics that I I tend to have a problem with, and I've said that to anybody that's ever mentioned this album to me and a lot of people are just like yeah no i don't know didn't i didn't ever bother me so it, it just might be a thing with me i don't know but um but i mean that's not to say it's a bad album by any no, stretch not at all. it's just i think it's my least favorite of the five we're talking about which would absolutely get me kicked out of any porcupine tree club because everybody thinks this is the best one yeah, that's that's kind of like my contentious hot take too. Like it's it's the bottom of what we're talking about today, but it's still like this bottom is high. Like this is incredible. But yeah, for me it's not like the the pills lyric wasn't the one that bothered me. You know the one that kept coming up and I'm like how many times are you going to reuse this? I swear he at four different points and maybe I'm just thinking this cuz I listened to the B-sides too. Stoned in the mall. Okay. Yeah. Yes. You keep saying stoned well, in the well, mall. There's a reason for that. I think so. Basically, one of the B sides is is essentially one of the songs from a different angle and meant to be. Uh, the chorus is is essentially the same. Um, 
I I think I think that's what they, they share the chorus, but but also um, fear of a, the the title track. We're basically talking about sentimental and normal, which we'll get to with the stone in the mall the kids play. But also in the title, in fear of blank planet, I'm stoned in the mall again. And that's that's what I'm getting at. It's stuff like that that's you know it's reused a lot, and I I don't think those things are enough to be a recurring theme for me. Yeah, yeah. I so we're lockstep there. Yeah, I, I moving into the songs though. I like I love the title track. I think it's great. It's one of those great Porcupine Tree Ragers, just perfect. And I quoted it at the beginning of this episode. Like I I spent a lot of time listening to that song this week because I just because of the mood of the album and the fact I have to like be, you know, kind of prepared to listen to it. I don't come to this one that much, but man, listening closely, listening to that one, that one stood out to me really good stuff really good guitar playing really fuzzy guitar playing yeah that, that's the, the the title track is the track on here that was probably the grower for me that and way out of here i think mm -hmm. both of them didn't really connect with me until i saw them live um actually i i uh one of the shows i went to on this tour um i went with somebody and it's it's very weird it was somebody i i met and was only in contact with for a very brief amount of time. She was a, uh, I think she had a magazine or worked for a magazine and she was, and I don't even remember how we met Porcupine Tree message board somewhere. Um, but she was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go and try to like score an interview. Uh, do you want to come? And I was like, well, that's going to be an expensive trip. Yes, of course I'm going to come. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but we got in there and there are other stories about this show that I'll get into. But um, we got in there early and they were sound checking and they were sound checking way out of here uh, and and like doing like the sound effects and making sure that like everything was in sync. So I kept hearing like this one part of way out of here over and over and over and over again. And I probably needed that to be able to connect with the song the way I did later on. Um, and but the title track, I don't know, it just never I think I just didn't like it lyrically. Like the, I mean, I know that I'm the guy in, in uh, the band that sounds like Pearl Jam, but also what you uh, neglected to mention was uh, my music is crap and my clothes are all black. <laughs> um, you know, uh, my mother is a bitch. Uh, you know, uh, my, my Xbox was taken away. Um, Over Blank Planet, the title track is another song that just like, I like it as a song. Lyrically, I didn't love it and probably still don't. Um, but it's a while to warm to it. Um, so, so it's interesting that that one kind of jumped out to you the way it did, because it, it kind of had the opposite with me. Uh, and, and probably also maybe still kind of colors my view of the album in terms of it not being my favorite, because um, I did have a wonderful experience with the title track that I'll get into later on. Uh, but yeah, it, it didn't connect with me then at the time. But um, yeah, it, it just took a while. Let's go. 
I think he did a really good job of embodying the snotty teenager he's singing about in that song, the dirtbag yeah. kid. Like, like, like we were all that dirtbag kid at one point. So I, I, I think he did a really good job pulling that off. Also, I'm through. I, I, I'm sorry, worm. You, you mentioned leather bagel about an hour ago. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. There are some of us that, that might be uh, still <laughs> swimming around in that pool, buddy. Uh, I've, I've got a thousand. No, you're like, you're like we all have. Like, well, I guess, I guess my history on pods and sods throws me in the same boat. I was trying <laughs> to act like I was above it, then I started thinking about it. Who amongst us cannot say we have we haven't filled a sock <laughs> to Debbie Gibson? Well, let's not bring names into this. Jesus <laughs> Christ! I'm a grown man. I'll now. cut. I'll cut that out if you want. No, it's fine. You okay. Leave it in. <laughs> I was obsessed. I was obsessed with Debbie Gibson in, in high school. Uh, yeah. Anybody that anybody that's ever listened to Pods and Sods knows that. I don't know that your audience knows that. Yeah. It's it's a detail that I don't know was necessary, but it, here it is. I don't know. I, I was like, who who are we filling socks to? Uh, Debbie Gibson. Where was I going? Oh yeah. I'm through with pornography. The acting is tame. The action is lame. That like I love that delivery. Explicitly dull, arousal and null. Yeah, that, I, I love that line. I think that's great. Um, and you mentioned Way Out of Here. That's actually another one of my highlights. It took me a while yeah. to come around on that one, too. Um, it's heavy, lyrically. It's a heavy song, lyrically. But I think it's really well done. Out of the train tracks I dream of escape The sun comes onto my iPod And I realize it's getting late I can't take the staring and the sympathy And I don't like the questions, how do you feel? How's it going in school? Do you wanna talk about Um, and I didn't realize it's about uh, it's basically a true story about a porcupine tree fan who um, with a friend I believe were on the train tracks and decided to end their lives there and uh, I, I can't remember if I, I think she was maybe a very uh, vocal porcupine tree fan Um uh, I can't remember. I can't remember exactly how I how I knew the story, but but that'll factor in later as well. But um, yeah. and I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know at the time that that's what it was about. Uh, but yeah, it, it's another one that's 
<clears throat> it, Stephen Wilson can kind of sometimes, and he 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 loves to do this. Um, I think this is the yeah he he meant like this is a song a song comes on my iPod. There's uh, uh yep. in his solo catalog. There's a you know I'm tired of Facebook. People seem to have a very big problem when he mentions things like that that are um uh, uh i don't know uh, specific to the time period we're in that will be kind of outdated at a point it doesn't necessarily bother me uh but people do seem to have issue or they did at that time i remember the the song comes on my ipod being a, a big sticking point with some people when the album first came out so weird the things people that pick that being one of them. yeah and um, i also just like like I, I'm impressed with him as a songwriter, but I imagine this being a very hard song. Like to get up and do this every night, knowing what it's about, I just imagine that being really hard. I'm I'm, a, I'm surprised that like that lasted as long as it did. In yeah, set. and I mean a hard song to write that I do think he pulls off. You know, it's uh, it's 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 definitely the the heavy on this record. But I mean, it's also followed by something that's also got a very heavy <laughs> yeah theme to it as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The the end of this album is just dreary, and that's again, that's why I struggle with this one sometimes. Like, it's like I, I'm like I can throw on Dead Wing whenever, but I have to be like ready to know that I'm going to be drudged through some darkness to listen to this. Like, I have to kind of be mentally prepared for that. Um, that yeah, said, I do love I do love My Ashes. That's like probably like other than the the last one we're going to talk about here in a second. It sounds mm-hmm. like no, it sounds like their version of No Quarter by Led Zeppelin. I love how like the mm. I think it's a Fender Rhodes on there, right? Like that bubble yeah. sound. Like I yeah. love that. And it's so evocative with the the lyrical imagery, like someone spreading their ashes and then you know, it covers your life. All the things that I needed wasted my chances. I have found myself when a mother and father gave me their problems, I accepted them all. Nothing ever expected, I was rejected. it's so it's so it's so powerful and for that to be tracked too like that that is ballsy yeah i love yeah, that my song. ashes is my ashes is up there it's uh it's it's one of the greats and uh 
when they played it live, uh, their their extra guitarist John Wesley took the chorus. Um, he he took lead vocals uh, at times yeah. during during live shows, and he's the one that did the high vocals on the chorus here live. Uh, but yeah, my ashes is is great, and it's you know I'm usually not one for a second song. I I I need a one two punch. I really have yeah. a problem with like albums that have a ballad as the second track. But this kind of, it's so, um, there's something about it that works as a second track for me. Uh, and I, I don't know if it's the arrangement with the roads. I think it might be just like a roads through a Leslie uh, to make it a little more underwatery. Uh, yeah. But uh, but in, in this case, it's it's kind of, it's longing and what it sets up in the next song I think works really well. So it, yeah. it's one of those albums where I was like, I shouldn't love the placement of the song, but I, I really do. Right. And that leads into the best song, the beast, the epic, anesthetize. you got can we <laughs> well, can we can we talk longer than the length of the song about this song <laughs> we've been here almost two and a half hours <laughs> that is true that is true <laughs> oh man a three-part epic featuring alex lifeson of rush yeah um this is one that you were kind of hyping up to me i remember before i got fear of blank flag you're like dude anesthetize for the win anesthetize for the win and you know what you're totally right an almost a song that runs almost 20 minutes that goes by in a flash. It's insane. Yeah. The middle section and, is part. Oh God. When you mentioned the uh the show, uh the 2006 show where when we were talking about how they were performing the album for the first time, all he would say about this was um and fans at this by the time I saw them, fans had been seeing the show and kind of, you know, talking about the songs. And when he introduced us, he's like, uh, I'm not going to tell you what the name of the song is, but I will tell you that it'll be an entire side of the new LP. And it seems that people online are calling it the beast. So here's the beast. <laughs> and I was blown the fuck away by this song. Um, this was the, and I think that's maybe why I don't remember much about that show. Hearing anesthetized for the first time, knowing nothing about it, not knowing the song, the entire crowd was spent after that, and we were only three songs into the show. Anesthetize is, I mean, it shares top bot with arriving somewhere, but not here. To me, it's down to the day as to which one I prefer, but 
they both just have such strong points. And this has got everything. It's got amazing Gavin shit on it. It's oh uh my God. and the three the three distinct parts, like the middle one is is the biggie. And uh they actually started playing just that that section separately at one point. Mm-hmm. Um but uh taken as a whole, it's it's so good. And I mean, I, I, there's there's literally nothing I could say as wordy as I am about all this. There's nothing I could say about it that would do it justice. It's it's a masterpiece. Right. If if you don't even want to listen to the whole song, look up a video of Gavin Harrison doing like a drum clinic, just drumming along to the middle section of it, and just revel in how great that man is and how wonderful the song is. It's it's amazing. It's a master absolute masterpiece. There's no question. And I will argue with anybody about this. If you don't think that anesthetize is a masterpiece, you, I don't know, you might be a Ron Keel fan. I don't know. <laughs> it, it crawls in like slowly and sludgy. And then you get that middle section that just explodes. And then it kind of like taper. It does, I want to say taper off because that sounds negative, but like it, it, it moves down in energy again. And it, it never feels like, like a disappointment like all 17 minutes of this song is essential you can't cut a second from it I'll like I'll, ne- I'll never forget like the first time I- listening to it like I- I'm like this is supposed to be a long song and I look back at, like probably like right around like the end of the pills I'm taking section and I'm like how the hell is it of the 11 minute mark mark like when did this happen like yeah that's the, the interesting the interesting thing about it is uh they do call the middle part the pills I'm taking, which is just another pills thing. Um, but uh, when they released the instrumentals for the street team, anesthetize was cut into three sections. And it's obvious what each part is listening to it. There's kind of the, you know, the early kind of mid-tempo, and then it gets into the heavier bit. Uh, and then the end is kind of like a dreamy longing thing that I think is just beautiful. But uh what was interesting about it is that it was in three pieces and each of them had like a top or a tail that wasn't on, on the album version, or it was hidden and overlapped by the next section. So Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, it would be like a, it it was obvious they recorded it in three parts separately. And, uh, and that's super interesting. And there's also a, um, a promo out there that's got a radio edit. That's got like an intro that isn't, part of the album version very short um kind of thing to kick it in but it's not uh it's it's unique to that version so uh yeah if you want to get like deep in the weeds you can look for shit like that but uh yeah super super amazing song and just live you can't imagine it's it's goddamn so cool all right for the b-sides i have to admit the the b-sides for here they're, they're, they're okay I think the best stuff is on the album in this case. I did like normal. Um, I like what happens now. Cheating the polygraphs. All right. Uh, No recurring instrumental. Yeah. Yeah. They did on the four. They did a lot of these uh, except no recurring. I I don't know that I ever caught that. I actually, uh, I pulled up the set list for the shows I'm going to talk about on this tour. And I'm actually surprised by some of the songs in there that I just did not remember. I saw. Um, So, so that's going to be kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, like what happens now was like huge in the live set for a while. Cheating the polygraph was in place of way out of here when they did the initial tour. Way out of here was not considered part of the album at that point. So when they did the uh, the 2006 tour, it was cheating the polygraph. 
and then that was replaced uh, by the time the album came out. Um, I agree. I out of all of these, normal is my favorite. And again, it's kind of just like it's sentimental from a different angle. They share the same chorus, um, but uh, there there are interesting lyrical changes in each where it's kind of the same situation coming from a different point of view, which I think is really interesting. comes down to it i think i prefer normal over sentimental i think normal normal's got some great heavy bits in it um i don't know that it would have fit on the album but um when it comes down to choosing one or the other i go with normal but the other yeah. b-sides i like them but yeah yeah i think the album as it was musically uh they, they made the right decisions there yep i will say the title cheating the polygraph so fucking cool like I, I i wanted to like that song more than i did because that title is awesome yep yep i i felt the same way with it like yeah. it, it's it's one of the best titles that that he's come up with it's it's really good yeah uh so the live experience you had a pre-album live experience and a post-album live experience so talk about that yeah so so this is uh this is the one time i kind of follow them out of the tri-state area uh so so looking at these this is pretty nuts they they would change kind of night to night. This is the first time that they performed albums in full. So on the blank planet, and then they would kind of continue to do that to some extent. Yeah. Uh, but night to night, it would change. Uh, you would either get a set that had all of Fear of a Blank Planet in full, and then uh, like kind of like a second set after a couple minute break. It wasn't like a huge intermission. They kind of left the stage for five minutes and came back. Uh, or... Fear of a Blank Planet would be interspersed throughout the set, but they would perform all of it. They just kind of alternated whether they would do the whole album in full or spread across. So looking at these, the first show I saw on the tour proper was in New York City at Nokia Theater. They did the entire album. And then uh, just imagine this stretch, uh, because this is what I saw that night. So they they came they came back and they played like Bulb Sun, um, and then Open Car, Gravity Eyelids, Round with Me, Blackest Eyes, Half Light, just an amazing run of great songs, um, and uh, then next night uh, or the, yeah May twenty third in Philly, uh, they they spread it around but they played mellotron scratch that night oh uh, nice. it was the first time they played it on the tour i didn't think that i'd gotten one but i did apparently i got two because they also 
played it June 1st uh, in Chicago at Park West, along with what I did remember, A Smart Kid, which is a song from Stupid Dream that I love, that I don't think I'd seen before that. So I saw Meltron scratch much more than I did at the beginning of this episode. I didn't think I'd seen it at all. Um, this is another one where they played the whole album in full. And then uh, uh, second set with, uh, you know, random other stuff. The, the Chicago final show, night. That, real quick, the Chicago show. Was that the one where they didn't play the video? Of, um, next night. Yeah. Yep. That's the, that's the following night. Um, let me just. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was this one. Yep. So uh, the, the next night was in Milwaukee at a place called The Rave. This is the show that um, the friend that I met up with had the kind of backstage or early access for. Uh, and she didn't end up getting to interview Porcupine Tree, but she did end up getting to interview the first band. The opening band was a band called Three that I loved. Um, but it did get us backstage, which is kind of an interesting story. Um, I was in the front row for this show uh, right in front of Stephen Wilson. I hate that I have this memory and it is completely embarrassing to me as a porcupine tree, porcupine tree fan, but I could not put my camera away. And literally <laughs> before the encore security from the stage, like from the sides of the stage walked across the stage to me in the front row. And they were like, you have to stop taking pictures, which means to me that Stephen Wilson would only have said to security, Tell that asshole in front of me to stop taking pictures. And it was probably the most embarrassing moment of my life. And the only thing that has erased it since then has been the fact that I've met Stephen Wilson a number of times and he's never said to me, you're the asshole that was in front of me taking pictures. Uh, he's always been very, very nice to me. So that's the only thing that makes me not feel like an asshole. However, I do have amazing pictures and video clips from that night. Uh, they just bring back a very bad memory of me being annoying enough to have the band have security <laughs> make me stop. Um, having said that, getting that out of the way, amazing front row seat. During Way Out of Here, they did not show the video to Way Out of Here, which was essentially a teenage girl listening to an iPod walking along train tracks. And... Um, various scenes of cutting out faces from pictures and just you know kind of I, I hate to generalize but kind of you know depressing teen depressing stuff that you kind yeah. of do as a teen I don't want to like relate this to the story in any way but that's kind of what the video is and uh at the beginning of the show or towards the beginning Stephen Wilson dedicated it to uh to her and said that her parents were there that night and um that uh you know i can't remember exactly what he said but it was the first time that i'd heard about it and he said you know there was a porcupine tree fan who lost her life and her parents are here tonight and you know we want to dedicate the show to her you know however it went down and when they didn't show the film to way out of here that's when it connected for me and i was like oh my god that's gotta be what happened and i remember i was staying in a hotel and uh on one of the message boards that night and uh i can't remember if i brought it up or somebody else did but everybody was talking about it and that's how i learned the story so ever since that night way out of here it's me 
I'm getting choked up about it now. Like it's a, you know, I, I, it was just a porcupine tree song and now it's kind of got a, a different meaning to me and it's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough one to listen to yeah. for that reason. Um, so we, we got backstage that night and apparently the rave in Milwaukee is a haunted venue. And what we had heard was that uh, somebody was murdered or died in the pool in the basement. Um, and I actually had to look this up recently to see if if I was remembering it correctly. And I found stuff on it. So we were backstage with the band three, my friend and I. Uh, and I think her husband was there too. Uh, and literally there was just a curtain um, dividing us from Porcupine Tree. Uh, and I could literally hear the debauchery going on <laughs> on the other side of the curtain, which was like, could you please hand me the tea? Uh, you know, it, it literally was the um, most unrock star thing you could imagine, which endeared them to me even more. Um, because if there's one thing that I, I don't love, uh, it's it's an asshole and bad. And Stephen Wilson is arrogant, but I don't know that I'd call him an asshole. Um so, so that's as close as we got. We heard, uh, we heard them, but one of the guys in the opening band said, "Hey, our, the the key to our trailer unlocks the door to the basement. We should check it out." And we <laughs> went down into this haunted basement with uh, with three, the band that opened for Porcupine Tree, and I still have pictures. And it was pitch black. I don't know how I did it. It was pitch black. There was a very steep um, stairway going down, and I don't believe there was a railing. One of us was using the light on our phone to get around. And I mean, thank God we had decent light, because one of us would have fallen into an empty fucking in-ground pool. Um, it was, and I saw, I have to send you the pictures. They're crazy. Um, and then, uh, and now they do tours there apparently they started doing after the pandemic which is just nuts but yeah. we were down there it was pitch black there there was talk of like you know blood on the floor and there were like little rust spots that kind of looked like blood so we were all kind of like freaking each other out and uh yeah one of my weirdest memories attached attached to a porcupine tree show and we went outside and chatted with the entire band uh, aside from steven for long periods of time like they like especially Colin uh stayed with us for maybe like 15 minutes and was telling us some great stories um and uh, yeah so it was totally fun i have some great pictures with the band from that night uh and that was uh the last show i saw on that tour but goddamn was it a memorable one uh just for tons of different reasons the worst one being that i was an annoying fanboy in the first row i love it i love it though i love those stories and i love that you like you were so into it you followed them for a bit like that's that's really cool i would love to have the ability to do that with bands i love so i could never do it now i could never do it now with work i'm surprised that i got i was able to do it then uh you know disposable income was a little easier to come by or at least i should say i had enough room on a credit card to do it <laughs> um that's a luxury i don't have these days but um yeah, and I wouldn't have done it if she didn't mention it, but she's like, yeah, we're, I'm going to go try to interview the band and we're going to do Chicago and Milwaukee. And I was like, two shows? All right. 
And they were literally, they were just like a week after the shows that I saw in, in New York and Philly. So it was a great way to, you know, I saw two shows where they did the album in full and two shows where they kind of chopped it up. And it was a nice cross section of shows to see on that tour. I had a real good time. But that's when Blacklight really started to find its way into this. Or did I say Blacklight? I was looking at the set list. I saw Blackest Eyes and Half Light. That's when Half Light um, really made its way into the set list and started to be performed a lot. Nice. I think in conclusion, we'll say Fear of a Blank Planet. Not a bad album. Again, an exceptional release, but you got to be ready for this one. You got to mentally prepare. I wouldn't tell you to start here, but you're not going to be completely put off if you start here either great album but yeah and there's a there's a live dvd from this tour as well called anesthetize uh and it's on blu-ray and looks fantastic the first half is fear of a blank planet and the second half is a bunch of great songs the only song it shares with um with arriving somewhere dvd is either sound of music or halo uh they made a point to not include songs that were done on the first DVD, which I can absolutely appreciate. Um, and the sad thing is, like for both of these DVD shoots, they did crazy set lists for like two nights. And the songs that didn't make it, Gravity Eyelid being one of them, oh. um, just uh, is heartbreaking. But uh, they they did release a ton of live stuff and I'll just quickly go through it. There's an acoustic in-store they did which came out as We Lost the Skyline, which is fantastic. Um, a digital release called Atlanta, which they released in, in 2010, full show. Um, a show they did in Cologne. I think it was a, a TV broadcast, and that's available on their Bandcamp page, as well as a BBC session they did. And another one called Indigo 2, which uh, was also released on Bandcamp during the pandemic, which was... Um, I think the last night of recording for the DVD uh, and uh, I think Steven said something, it was like a loose show because half of the band was sick and he's like, I just think it's an interesting show and that's why he put it out. Um, I would feel that that probably is destined for a vinyl release, much like awesome blues was uh, at some point. So yeah, a ton of live stuff from this tour, if you're interested in such things. And also, sorry, a CD called Elosari Rock maybe which was um a limited edition thing and i think that's also available on their Bandcamp page they they also put up a few of the rarer dvds and things like or cds and things like that very nice so we're about to move into an interesting era for porcupine tree and stephen wilson between fear of a blank planet and the incident we get stephen's first solo album we get insurgentes um you and i have talked a lot about this and you have some funny feelings around this thing like you kind of necessarily weren't like it, you, you the way you put it to me exactly was you didn't want a solo album was there like a weird vibe around this time with the band like before we move into the incident was like i don't know like because you i know you went to a screening for the movie for insurgentes i did um so so he he worked on a solo album and he also put out a documentary and i i did go to the screening for that uh it was before the incident or around that time I can't even remember exactly where where the screening fell, but I think I like his first solo album. I think it's it's the least out of all of his solo work. I think they get better um, uh, with a very big peak somewhere near the end. But I I have to think that if it wasn't, 
I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to word it. I think that it cast a shadow on the next Porcupine Tree album that's unfortunate. There, I think the next Porcupine Tree album, it's it's tied with Dead Wing for my favorite. And I can only, th- and fans do not seem to like it. Now, it is a song cycle, and I get that that's hard to get into, but like the bits that are bits last a minute, last two minutes. There's There's nothing on there that's like extraneous. I think it moves very quickly. I think that I think that just him starting a solo career put in in people's minds that he was kind of done with Porcupine Tree, and they therefore look at the Porcupine Tree album that followed that many people thought was going to be their last. I think it put it in a very bad light, and I don't agree with it. I I think that it's fantastic. Um, and it's an argument I still have nowadays. Like you'll find me on Reddit defending this album anytime anybody brings it up. And there are some people that that also agree and have the same viewpoint. Like, what what fucking album are you listening to? Because this is this is goddamn amazing. Uh, so so I only think that you know whether people liked his solo album or not. I think that they took the fact that he did a solo album like the one he did. He always did various side projects and everything, but like. He did a solo album and made a film about it, and you know, it, it was it was kind of a thing. And I think that when Porcupine Tree put something out after that, people were just like, "He's not he's not into it." And I don't know that I will be either. I don't know that that's necessarily a correct viewpoint for me to have, but for me, it's the only one that makes sense because there's nothing about this album that follows that I think is lacking. I did any of that make sense? Yes, it did. Because like like it's it somehow separates like in in people's minds like like oh this isn't like I'm not putting all my energy into Porcupine Tree I put a bunch of energy into this movie I put a bunch of energy into this droney solo album and perhaps I didn't put all of it into the incident which couldn't be further from the truth um, I do think we should also re- before we go into this Gavin is a big part of Insurgentes Gavin plays drums on mm-hmm. a lot of those tracks which is interesting yep. but yep. Released September 14th, 2009. Um, this, the incident, I agree. Like this ties with Deadwing for me a lot of the time.
really nervous when I got this one. You were hyping it up big time. And what I didn't realize was this 15, not 15, 55 minute song cycle piece, whatever you want to call it, was split up track wise. I thought it was going to be one big 55 minute long track. Yeah. And this was going to be the Porcupine Tree version of Yes's Tales of Topographic Oceans. Just excess for the sake of excess. Not the case. This no. is not at all. brilliant, well-constructed. Again, not a note out of place, not a thing I would cut in the song cycle. And it flows. Like, never has 55 minutes felt so quickly to me before. Never has it gone by so quickly. It, it hooks you in and... You're, you're along for the ride. Like, if you're in, you're in. Like, this is... Oh, my God, this is so so good. Uh, the, the Blind House? Like, What so, an opening. Right? After that big... Oh, bah, 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 bah. oh I, man. If you want to stay... Oh, it's, yeah. it gets me now. Like, I... Oof. There is... I, I'm always... Look, I'm... Again, right. Same here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were talking about the Goosebumps again. Yeah. Um, there... As much as I love Porcupine Tree and can listen to them anytime, this is usually the album I reach for if I want to listen to an album. I think that it is perfect. Now, people have two big problems with this album. Do you want me to mention them now? Yes, I would love to hear them because I'm I'm fascinated why this doesn't get, like why why does Fear of a Blank Planet get all the love and this gets done? <laughs> so the first one I can see. It's not a deal breaker for me, but I can see it. Time flies which was the single, which weirdly, when released digitally, was missing the kick drum. How does that happen? Not entirely sure. Um, it's a curiosity, and that's out there. Uh, it is It is a long song. It's 11 and change. It flies very close to Dogs by Pink Floyd. Not only in its uh, and and I'm not a key guy. I would have to call on my friend Rob, who's who's the pitch guy, uh, uh, to tell me if they're in the same key. But dogs is a is a strummy D minor thing, and this is very very close to it. And also the middle, which kind of goes into more like an atmospheric thing, gets very much into some very low like E note that you would hear. In an atmospheric part on a Pink Floyd album. Yeah. I get it. It's similar. I knew it was similar the second that I listened to it. But I also think that lyrically, this song is amazing. Like it's about memories, childhood memories. The one line that always gets me is, and the coat you wore to Alton Towers is still the way I see you now. And every time that line comes up, Again, goosebumps. I'm like, it's it's masterful. I was born in 67. The year of Sergeant Pepper. And all you experienced. Into a suburb of heaven. Yeah, and it should have been forever It all seemed to make so much sense But after a while You realise time flies And the best 
I love Time Flies because I love dogs from Pink Floyd. And it's not, uh, to me, it's not a deal breaker that it flies in the same. I mean, the sky moves sideways could be a goddamn Pink Floyd album. Like it, it, it's, if we want to look at Porcupine Tree and Pink Floyd, they've flown very close to the dark side of the moon many times. <laughs> but it's not a deal breaker for me. But the thing that people hate most about this album is a particular chorus on a song. Would you have any guesses as to what it was? Hmm. People hate. People I really are hope, reviled by it. I really hope it's not 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 the, not my favorite song on the album. I'm going to say it anyways. Is it "I Drive the Hearse"? No. Oh, thank God. No. It is, and it's a song that I love. Uh, and I I might understand what the criticism is about but i don't agree and it's not a deal breaker for me it's drawing i'm drawing the line i'm drawing the line i'm drawing the line think that that song is elevated at that point i don't understand what's bad about that right like like to me that's if i'm going to criticize i would criticize the lyrics on blank planet before even coming close to the chorus on drawing the line people 
minutes too. Like I, I still have this argument on Reddit all the time too. Like, uh, yeah, I guess the album's okay, but draw on the line, like worst thing he ever oh, did. What? Like I don't me? understand it. I don't understand it. I don't know if it's because it comes out of nowhere and it's in your face, but like, what about it is bad? It's not lyrically bad. Like, what is it? It's one of those things I've never been able to understand to the point where it was part of my mix CD in the car. I love it that much. And when you're compiling at that point, four albums and B-sides down to 74 minutes, drawing the line absolutely made the cut. I love drawing the line. Um, I, agree. I don't think there's a bad track on this album. I think I would actually call this a perfect, the song cycle part of this, I would call perfect. If anything, I think that like the, the turns into great expectations and Neil and connect, which are both really short bits, uh, one, one and a half and two minutes. So again, hardly yeah. even there. Um, People are, oh, it's it's too jarring. And I get that, but it's three minutes of the record and they're not bad. Like, if it's weird that, like, all of a sudden, out of the blind house, like, an acoustic guitar strumming is taking you out of this, then the problem might be yours. Right. Like, I, I just don't, I don't understand it. And it's all presented as one piece. Maybe that's another thing people have about it. Like, it is not a song record. Although, I would pull several songs out of here as great and that could stand alone obviously right. there are pieces here that that don't but and your unpleasant family is is another one of them oh my god uh, yes which is, yes your unpleasant family smashed up my car perfectly your unpleasant family A minute and 40 you know or something like that but when you say yes what what it, like 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 yes. i i love that song i love the but two of my okay. one of my favorite little like pieces is the incident into your unpleasant family because i love the two sides of the same coin like you've got someone who almost is getting off on the graphic violence of a car crash and the you've got this other short little piece here that's like Yo, motherfucker you just slid into my car what the hell man yeah. <laughs> like yeah. i love the There's dichotomy Perfect transition. Yeah. Perfect transition. Um, and again, the overarching thing in in this album is pretty much like an incident in somebody's life that drastically alters their life from that point on. Like, I don't know. Have you ever been working and sent an email? And not that I'm guilty of this, but sent an email like criticizing somebody and realizing you left that person on the email. And that, that <laughs> when you realize you did it, you're you're just feeling in your body just drops to the ground. Yeah. That's what this album is about. It's about the moment where something happens where you realize at this moment, your entire future is altered, which is a fascinating concept 
And I think he does it amazingly. Also, I, I don't know if you're going to get into this, but I mean, I, I, I love I Drive the Hearse. I think I Drive the Hearse is amazing. Oh my but God. my favorite my favorite part of this album is Octane Twisted, the seance, Circle of Manias. That taken in what that whole section was oh, on yeah. my best of as one track. It is tracked on my portable listening device as one track. I do not want it split up. It so like the whole we go. Full melody, right? Um, and even just to say the circle is broken, that whole bit is great, but then it gets into like the circle of manias and it oh gets my God. crazy. Like that's as good as this heavy section and arriving somewhere but not here. It's perfect. Right. Like I don't get it. I don't fucking get it. It's a perfect. And the other thing is maybe people are considering the last four tracks, which to me are not as good as the album. Yeah. That might be in terms of like the porcupine tree B sides, these four tracks, and I don't know why. These are the four that I just never completely warmed to. I do like them. Remember Me Lover, I think is great. Uh, Black Dahlia, Bonnie the Cat, I saw live several times. Um, they're not bad. I just think they're lesser than and maybe lesser than even kind of the, the B-sides that came before. Um, and I could probably use with listening to them more. However, having said that, I think if you're taking, and I think that might be the problem, maybe with the incident and those four, maybe it's too long a listening experience for some Porcupine Tree fans. Like Fear of a Blank Planet, you get nil recurring separately. It's an EP, yeah. but essentially it's the B-sides to Fear of a Blank Planet. In fact, when Fear of a Blank Planet came out on vinyl the first time, the no recurring tracks were incorporated in. Oh. Um, cheating the Polygraph was After My Ashes on side A. Uh, and then the rest weird. of the tracks on yeah right and then the rest of the tracks on the last three on side d that's the only thing i can think of about it and when i listen to the incident i usually just listen to the song cycle but i listen to it often and it has never lost 
any shine for me. I still think it's it's close to something else, but it's it's it is one of the best, if not the best. And yeah, I have yeah. nothing bad to say about it. Yeah, I love that we're really on the same page here. Like I remember it's funny when you when I got this and I told you I was gonna listen to it, you're like you're like, you're gonna love the octane twisted seance circle of mania sequence. And yep. I had I had a feeling like I'm just flipping I was just flipping through the booklet here, uh, waiting for that to come up, and I saw the hands joining, and I'm like, oh, we're gonna get some dark heavy shit, and we yep. and man, did we get it? Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I can't add too much to that one other than it just I'm getting the goosebumps again thinking about it. But I did want to talk about what might be my favorite Porcupine Tree song, and that is, I drive the hearse. Silence is another way of saying what I want to say. Lying is another way of hoping it will go away. And you are always my think to the sequence and this is the one i was referencing this is the happiest song i think stephen wilson has ever written i think in a way and because mm -hmm. and maybe not even happy is the right word positive because you've got you've just gone through all this tragedy cults car crashes seance has gone wrong you know all that stuff you know tragedies in life like these things in life that will alter the course of your life forever possibly negatively in some ways but you have to remind yourself there's still good in life and that you're still above ground. You're still breathing and you can still keep going. That's what I take from I Drive the Hearse. That's what I take from those lyrics. And I think it's yep. super powerful, super beautiful. And I am, yeah, I'm so glad you saw them do this because it's just, it's a magical song. Like it, it chokes me up sometimes listening to it. Like even in the car yeah. last night, I put it on and I was just like, God, like perfection. And also, a guitar solo that would make David Gilmore cream in his jeans. It's so good. It it really is. And it's just, you know, it's it's one of those songs, it 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 it's close to seven minutes, but the end is just such a kind of build and just like it kind of keeps you in that groove that they're they're building, which is a little kind of uh a little more rhythmic than the rest of the song, but works completely well and makes for a, a just a fantastic end. Um and there have been people like when this album came out, I, I tried to get a few people in uh, and regardless of whether they stayed or not, this was the song that everybody was like, oh, but I really love the last song. Uh, it's it's just it's it's wonderful. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. The other uh, the other thing that I kind of, you know, and it's another one of those arrangement things uh, is on the incident, uh, the title track, um, yeah. which is kind of. Um, uh, murky electronic 
with uh yeah. you know weird kind of gargly voices going um through it uh and then you know there's there's a section where it's still kind of murky and electronic but it it comes down and you just hear him singing i want to be loved want to be loved and then it just into this explosion i want to be loved and the, the arrangement there is so good and seeing that live was just amazing absolutely amazing when a car crash gets you off you flash chocolate when a fuck is not enough you know you slipped when the church is full it means you've just been had and when the world has gone to seed you're so detached Not a bad moment on this record i'll say it i'll say it it's yeah. it's it's perfection beginning to end it's there's there's nothing bad about the song cycle here fantastic absolutely i will say so mine's a single disc it, it tacks the b-sides on at the end um mm -hmm. i do think that because of that the b-sides are a bit overshadowed for me yeah but they're not bad especially i like bonnie the cat a lot and like you i agree remember me lover so so good in fact probably one of the most biting like breakup songs i've ever heard like it's just cold what was the yeah. one i've been through this with you about a hundred times agree to disagree and start again with our lives then every single morning i wake up and you'll you're still there but tomorrow you will be alone and this is all you deserve never meant to start anything that i couldn't finish now i've got to be the one to turn
that is hard. like I don't know any much about Stephen Wilson's personal life, like if he's married or divorced or anything. But that is a harsh line. Yeah, he, he's now married with two stepkids, which is uh, interestingly enough, through his entire time with Porcupine Tree, there were a lot of headlines. Yes, I absolutely like sacrificed having a family to you know have a music career. So like when he got married, I was shocked. Like yeah. I, I just, I never, just never expected it. You just never heard about like a girlfriend or something like that. In fact, I don't think that there, he had a girlfriend around this time. Uh, so in the, uh, in the film for the solo album. And uh, that's, that's all really I knew. Uh, of her. And, and don't really care. Like I don't really get into that kind of stuff with artists that I'm into. Um, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, that that is a crazy good breakup song, and he's got quite a few of them. There are some yeah. go around stupid dream light bulb Sundays. Uh, light bulb suns got. <laughs> I, I mean, that's I, I, that might be the breakup album. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> it's got it's got some stuff on there, but oh, yeah, yeah I, I love the incident. In fact, yeah. when we're done, I'm throwing that motherfucker on the turntable, and I'm going to listen to it. And I'm going to listen to it twice, just in spite of all the Porcupine Tree fans <laughs> that are like, "Oh no!" Especially Ian, who decided to dip out at Deadwing, idiot. What the fuck? Thank you. <laughs> I love you, Ian, but come on, man. Like, I, it, I, I'll never understand it. Yeah, never understand it. it. Yeah. Uh, so the live experience uh, for this tour, I liked. I loved looking at set lists from this tour because some of them were downright fascinating as to what they did. Yeah. So talk about what you saw. So I saw two shows. Um, I saw only um, New York and then Philly. They were both in September of 2009. And then another interesting show that will follow the following year. But what I got, um, all of the incident in the first set. Uh, and then this is when they started doing uh a medley of the first half of Russia on Ice, which is from Lightbulb Sun, into part two of Anesthetize, the pills I'm taking. Uh, but also, and I, I think they, I can't remember if they started doing this on the tour before or not, but it was around this time that they started playing Strip the Soul again and including Dot 3 from In Absentia, which they had not played before. Um, and initially, they were both kind of part of one 15-minute demo that he cut into two songs for In Absentia. So that was interesting. Um, the second sets, uh, both times I saw them opened with the start of something beautiful, which was uh, interesting and unexpected. Uh, you know, it, it's not what I would expect from an opener. Uh, the encore for both Sound of Music and Trains, which is probably a safe bet for, you know, a lot of porcupine tree shows around this time. But uh, for me, it was really just seeing the incident. And it was, you know, it was great to see another, for an album that I loved, having been able to see it in full. Now, Brian Lennon, I believe, <laughs> went to one of these shows and said it yep. was one of the worst shows he's ever seen uh, because he's a goofball that listened to the album like once and I don't like it and, you know, put it in this closet he talked about which is where he put <laughs> stuff he bought that he doesn't like anymore until i talked to him and he's like oh maybe it was okay after all and then he pulls it out of the closet his uh his lovely uh uh wife I, I hate to use the word wife because he did call her her friend on 
our James Bond podcast. So I, I feel weird calling her his wife, but they are married. But his friend Sarah uh, refers to him as, you know, uh, 180 linen. Uh, so he, he tends to uh, just do complete 180s on everything. So after this podcast, does he like, I mean, it's obvious he, he, he likes you more than he likes me. He's going to go back and enjoy the entire Porcupine Tree catalog, much like he buys the entire catalog of everybody who plays at Eric's house when he does his Stone Turtle house concerts. So I, I see this coming. I, I do have to shout out Brian, because uh, I mentioned, I, I guess you wouldn't have heard it because it's in part two, but in the Dead or Alive episode, at the end of the part two, I ask him, like, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go do a Porcupine Tree episode with Craig. You got anything for, for you, want, you want me to say to Craig in that episode? He goes, yeah, tell him we were at uh, one of the same shows and only one of us was bootlegging it. Well, that's that's accurate. Yeah. That is accurate. So oh, too good. Yeah. But uh should should I go into uh the next show? Is that a good place to do yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, let's let, let's let's slide into it. Cause like I have some questions after you talk about all the shows, because like like I said, there were some set list oddities I didn't expect. So go on. So when it comes to set lists, uh they, they announced a show out of nowhere a year later at Radio City Music Hall mm-hmm. September twenty-fourth, two thousand ten. And I had no idea what to expect. They did say, I think maybe going into it, they did say they were going to play the incident in full and some rarities. So I was going into it thinking, okay, at least I'll see something I might not have seen before. I didn't know anything else about it aside from that. I had a wonderful day with a friend of mine in New York City. Uh, and he... He was not really a Porcupine Tree fan, but he did enjoy Steven's guitar playing. And we had seen, um, I think we saw maybe a solo show together. Uh, uh, so this, I can't remember if this was after that or not. But um, so it was, it was. I mean, Radio City Music Halls was a pretty big place for them, I think. I'm, I'm not great with like attendance and things like that, but walking in there, it seemed like a thing, you know. And... Um, they also announced a show uh, at the Royal Albert Hall that was, I think, kind of around the same time. Same kind of deal. Uh, you know, rarities, kind of things like that. Uh, the spoiler here, uh, the set list is is amazing. And I'm actually going to go through it quickly, track by track, because it's insane. Okay. But the spoiler here is that it ended up being the last show that they would play in the United States for many, many, many years. And if you would have bought me this time last year... I would have said, uh, yeah, I saw the very last Porcupine Tree show they played in the U.S. Uh, because there's, a, if anybody doesn't know, there's a twist that's going to come after this that a lot of us didn't see coming. Um, but uh, so this show, um, there were like acoustic instruments set up on stage. There was an upright bass uh, and it was all very, very weird. They came out and opened uh by opened for themselves doing an acoustic set which was the first surprise and something that i don't know that they had planned when they planned all of this out i think it was more like a spontaneous thing that came closer to the show as something they would do so they opened with uh, a song called stranger by the minute which is from stupid dream and had not been played since 2000 so already i'm like what followed by small fish which is a track from up the downstairs at the downstairs that they had never played before. Oh, wow. So I'm 
going apeshit at the thought of what the rest of this night holds. Uh, Pure nar Narcotic followed, which is also from Stupid Dream. Uh, they hadn't played it in a while. Uh, followed by the debut of Black Dahlia, played acoustic, uh, which is one of the bonus tracks on the incident. And uh, for the first time since 2005, Futile played acoustic. Uh, and that was the opening set, five song opening set. The interesting thing about that, when during the pandemic, uh, Steven started the Porcupine Tree Bandcamp channel, um, a lot of us hoped that this show would be one of the things because it was supposed to be released and he decided it wasn't up to snuff, which is a huge bummer. Uh. Somebody did film it. Um, and it was on YouTube. I don't know if it still is. It's not the best recording, but it's the only one. I've never been able to find any other audio. I tried to record it on my phone under the chair, and I still have like a wave file somewhere. Um, it sounded like absolute shit. Um, it was basically just for me to remember the set. Uh, so, uh, that ends, and then we go into what is essentially the second set. Opens with Even Less, which is a song from Stupid Dream that I probably saw them play every time I've seen them play. But it didn't end. They ended up doing the full version of the song that you'll find on the recordings album. The Stupid Dream only has, that album only has the first seven minutes of it. So they played the entire thing. Into Open Car, Into Lazarus. Then played Tinto Brass, which is an instrumental from Stupid Dream that wasn't one of my favorites, but it was the first time they played it since probably the In Absentia tour. Then did the Sky Move Sideways, which I'd never seen. Uh, and then I Drive the Hearse, which was very odd to me because they did say they were going to play all of the incident. So at this point, I'm like, what, what's happening with this show? Apparently they decided at some point not to play all of the incident. And they ended set two with Bonnie the Cat. Set three, Occam's Razor, Blind House, Great Expectations, Neil and Connect, Neil and Disconnect drawing the line. So the first <laughs> opening bits of the incident. So I'm by the time they got into like drawing the line, I'm like, what are they going to do the fucking album now and do I drive the hearse again? Uh, which they did not do. They went into Dislocated Day, which is a track from. Um, uh, the sky moves sideways that they hadn't played since 99 way before i was in and then played time flies from the incident played uh the pills i'm taking uh, from anesthetize and played up the downstair uh which is the first time they played it since 2001 i'd never seen that either and then sleep together and the encore was supposed to be two songs and he came out for the encore and he's like uh we've been informed that uh we have to cut one of the songs that we had planned for tonight but we decided that the one that we're going to give you is a fucking long one. And they ended with arriving somewhere, but not here. Had this been my last porcupine tree. And I was in tears. I was in tears yeah. the whole time. Had this been the last porcupine tree show, it would have been a very fitting last show for any band to end on. It is the way a last show should be. They, they did stuff they hadn't done in years. It was a one-off show. Uh, the show in um, at Royal Albert Hall was the same, except Trains was in the encore too. So if it was you, you probably would have rather have seen this one and just <laughs> yeah. not gotten Trains. And ended with arriving somewhere, but but not here. But it was 
it was fantastic. And then when it was clear, once another Stephen Wilson solo album came, and then another, and then another, and then another, that Pine Tree was prob probably done. And he was a little cagey about whether they were done or not. And then at some points, definitively, like, I I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Why would I want to go back to that? Which, of course, raised a whole bunch of what kind of band problems were going on that we knew nothing about. Um, right. So that was the last Porcupine Tree show that I saw for many, many, many years. Yeah, they. I, I hesitate to say they broke up after the incident, which, by the way, to wrap that all up, fantastic underrated album worth your time if you have to listen to it in a while um but yeah like i'm reading about the the intervening years is fascinating because stephen wilson very much pulls a robert smith in that he keeps telling you different things like oh maybe someday or it'll happen or like that band doesn't exist anymore or if i did yes. it'll be a solo it'll be a side project it won't be my main focus so there was probably some kind of acrimony there some kind of something going on i don't know what, yeah but yeah it's been hard to nail down there are some things in his he just put out an autobiography not too long ago and there are some things in there that, that kind of give you a clue but even so it's not tremendously clear yeah yeah, yeah he does talk about like band members that were fighting on the bus but he doesn't name them by name and he's like, a, and one of them threw the other one's shoes out the window, and then he was pissed off. And like the book opens with this, like an unpleasant tour experience. And it's not that kind of book at all, but it's one of those that just like opens with drama. Um, so like I have my guesses, but I don't know. There are parts of the story that that don't make sense to me. It's more curious curiosity than anything, really. Yeah. Um, in the end, I don't care, but um yeah, I mean, it It. It seemed that that was it. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, I was very much shocked, like you were, and many were people were, when at the end of, I think it was at the end of 2021, was it? Was that when they announced that we're back together and we're doing a new album? Was that when it was? I think that sounds about right. So so it was in 20, I guess it was March of 2020 that the band camp page started. And looking back at it now, it should have been pretty obvious um, because, I mean, it was curious to me that he was releasing a bunch of Porcupine Tree stuff, rare stuff online for very small prices, you know, the price of a download. But, you know, like part of me was thinking, okay, well, like, you know, pandemic is going on. Artists aren't making money. Maybe this is his way of, you know, extra money in his pocket and, you know, I don't know with with downloadable stuff and writing credits what happens there, but you know, I thought at, at the very least uh, a token of generosity towards the rest of the guys in the band, and just like yeah, putting this stuff out here's some extra money. You know, yeah. I I don't know the logistics of that, and I don't know their deals. Um, but there are absolutely things on there that they co-wrote together. So if there are any kind of royalties around that. You know, I would imagine that they they got that. So that's that's kind of all I thought about it at the time. But they kept coming, and there were a lot of them. And then it was, I think, I can't even remember what the first thing I saw. Like somebody noticed that either like PorcupineTree.com updated with something strange and cryptic, um, or yeah. you know, one of their social media put up like a teaser or something, and everybody was just like holy shit are they getting back together 
And I was sitting there like, holy shit, are they getting back together? Because <laughs> it was, and it is amazing Megan stayed with me after that day because literally <laughs> everything, I sent her screenshots of everything I saw. And I was like, this is a moment where I cried in Philly from this show. And uh, <laughs> she put up with a lot. But it was it was announced that a new album was coming out, and I, everyone was blindsided by it. Uh, the one thing that that I want to get into here, just because I think it's interesting, the last solo album that Stephen Wilson put out before this, The Future Bites, was was very derided by the fan base. They don't they don't always love when he decides not to play a guitar or play lots of guitar yeah it I, I think the future bites is a great texture album the synth work and the program on the programming on it is incredible it's got some great songs and i think it's got some songs that are lesser um but as an experience i think the way to to experience the future bites is to listen to it in 5.1 that was when I really loved it because there's so many synthy things going on. People, the more negative side of the Stephen Wilson fan base took it upon themselves to uh, let everybody know that the only reason that he's getting Porcupine Tree back together is because the Future Bites was such a disappointment. Now, the Future Bites, the tour was canceled because of COVID. Uh, it, it didn't, I mean, it kind of, it was, it, it did well on the charts overseas, but I mean, it fell flat in terms of everything he wanted to do for it, um, you know, in terms of like the concept and, and I don't even really know what I, how I felt about the concept. I thought it was one of the weaker ones he came up with, kind of like the, you know, empty, uh, the emptiness of of buying and just consumerism. You know, have, yeah, consumerism, you know, having things. And, uh, you know, as a concept, I thought it was pretty weak. Uh, but also, I mean, and, you know, when, when things started to come out about this, he was like, you know, we worked on this album kind of in three or four separate spots starting in 2010. Like, I don't, as fast as Stephen Wilson works, I don't think that anybody should think or, or could that he could pull a Porcupine Tree album out of his back pocket because his last solo album, quote-unquote, tanked or sucked. Right. It was obvious that this was something that had been in the works for a while, and listening to it bears that out. This was not something that was fit out. You know, hey, guys, we need to get this back together because, like, I'm, I'm flailing over here. It does not make right. any sense at all on any level. The timing of it, maybe, you know, maybe during the pandemic, maybe he was like, you know what, this might be a good time for us to finish this. But like to have a thought that this was all created because of his solo career and the future bites is just, it's ridiculous on its face. It, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. Um, I probably like the future bites a little more than you do, but that might be because like I had excitement was it was my first new thing as a Stephen Wilson fan, like to get on release day. So I, I love that album a lot. And the thing that surprised me before, like about tying this into the future bites a bit, I thought for sure, like the next thing would be like, he will go out and tour this thing. Nope. Nope. Uh, June 24th, 2022. 
Porcupine Tree, closer continuation. Edwin Stevens playing the bass oh. here, which is yeah fascinating. Like makes you wonder if he's the one who either whose shoes were thrown or was the shoe thrower. <laughs> it's interesting to me. Um, I mean, look, we we talked about this with Deadwing. Yeah. You know, Stephen decided, and these are you know, this is his baby, and you know, and that's fine. If he decides that he wants his bass tracks to stay, sucks for Colin. But also, Colin's not a metal guy. So if like, if if Stephen wants to keep his bass track on shallow or open car or whatever, and not have Colin's kind of laid back, fretless funkyism, which I love, but also I understand that maybe you know Colin's not the guy you might call on for something like the heavy middle of arriving somewhere. Um, I get it, but, but also like the official word is that. Colin made no contact to the band during that entire time they were broken up. The In Absentia documentary came out before this. That was the first time that really something with all of them happened. And it was uh, it was pre-pandemic. Uh, and Colin is in it. He's interviewed in it. They're all interviewed separately, but Colin's in it. I would think that if there was that much animosity, Colin would have been like, well, fuck you. Like, I'm no, I'm not taking part of this unless he got like a huge payday. And then, you know, but how huge could that payday be? You know, right. like, I wonder exactly what it was. Or maybe Colin's just like, oh, fuck it. I don't care. I'll be in it. I don't know Colin's demeanor. The one thing I do know about Colin is he made me laugh incredibly. Uh, there was a, uh, a signing, uh, an autograph signing for Deadwing in Philly that I went to. Uh, and the guy in front of me had seen them the night before, and he said to Colin, what what exactly happened during he's moved on? And he's like, oh, I took a tumble, fell on the ass. <laughs> and from that moment on, I was endeared to Colin. Uh, so, so I have nothing bad to say about Colin. I think Colin's great. And he's yes. fun to just watch smiling on stage for two and a half hours. Like, 
he's hard to take your eyes off. Gavin's behind him. It's also hard to not watch Colin because he's just in a world of his own, and I love it. He's great. He's great. Like yeah. Like while I can while I can't say like I don't I miss his presence on the album because the album came out great and I love it. Mm. He, he's a great dude. Like no no bad things for me either. I do think it's kind of funny that the first thing you hear on the album though is Stephen playing bass. I did think that was kind of funny the first time I put this mm-hmm. I put the CD in. I'm like, well that's ironic. Yeah, and anybody who has seen Stephen Wilson solo tour or listened to a solo catalog knows that that is Stephen Wilson playing that bass. That is a very Stephen Wilson riff. Um, yeah, so so I it doesn't. That's the part of it that doesn't make sense to me. Like Colin does the documentaries, but Colin is not part of the album, and Colin supposedly had no communication with them over twelve years or whatever it was. So. When and that was another thing people were less than happy about when the promo pictures came out, and it was just three of them. Um, I I get it, but also I'm a porcupine tree fan that never thought I'd have a porcupine tree moment again. So the fact that there was an album and wait, there's also a tour, what like I was absolutely insanely uh just captured by all of this. Um so yeah, I I I I avoided the singles. I listened to Harridan when it was released as a uh, a teaser. And then you know, much like they did with the Future Bites, there were like four or five more singles after that before the album came out. And it was like, well, I'm not. I want to. I want to hear this as an album yeah. at this point. Like, I'm not going to listen to all of these songs. And I might have like checked out a little bit of On the New Day because they did like an in studio thing uh, performance of it. But I was like, I'm not checking anything else out until the album is in my hands i'm glad to hear you say that because i was the same way i'm like i want to hear this start to finish like porcupine tree is an album band not a single band i want to hear this whole thing so yeah i i, I don't even know if i listened to harridan before before it really came out. like i, I went yeah. in completely like you know i want to hear this back to finish and uh, it did not disappoint i don't think it's quite as heavy as the albums we talked about before but it is good closure continuation I put alongside the incident as being perfect. I don't think that there's a bad track on this. I, uh, and I'll even include the three bonus tracks in that. I think that they nailed it with this. Uh, and it's, it's easy to kind of dismiss me as being a poor country fanboy, but I, I think it's a perfect record. I, there's nothing on it that I, there's, that I think is lacking at all. And and in many memorable moments in every song, like oh, yeah. it is a journey. And when I, when it first came, uh, it was, or it was on Tidal and you could listen to it in 360 and Megan and I uh, like synced up and listened together remotely. And um, by that time there was a, uh, on Twitter, a listening party and Steven, or I think all three of them, actually would tweet during the album while I was playing, giving like anecdotes from the album. And I was like sending those to her as the songs played. And it was, and I was sitting on the porch. It was just a beautiful, beautiful day. And that's my main memory of this record. Um, I, I kind of, I, I put it off to the side just because of the in absentia through uh, incident being a time period. 
Dead Wing and Incident being my absolute favorites there. I absolutely put this alongside both of them. And I think there are days where this one's also top for me. I, I think that this is a fantastic record. I do think that listening to this like pulled me in even more. Like, like I remember liking it, but even still at the time, like I was still kind of having trouble wrapping my brain around some of the more like less melodic elements. And I think doing this whole episode, I figured out what I, what I finally managed to do. And that is I stopped going into it with the expectation of a traditional song structure, like just let it do mm -hmm. what it's going to do. There might not be a course. There might not be something for you to sing along to every time. Just let it, let it play. And that's, you know, what you got to do with this record. But there's some really cool stuff here. I think Dignity, heartbreaking song, but so well done. So well done. Oh and God. feels so real to me because I lived in Los Angeles for a long time. I saw, unfortunately, many a person like the, like the guy in the song, homeless people like that. So. Lost boy With the shreds of your shoes on your feet And the schoolgirls call you a freak Long gone With all that you are in a bag Watching you fumble And a paper cup held in your hand Yeah, I mean, I was not, it was not a lie. Like, I literally, this morning, listened to the cassette on a Walkman. Nice. Uh, I, I did, this is the first release in probably, like, 30 years that I did buy the vinyl cassette and CD for. Uh, it's that good. You do need all of them. Um <laughs> The the reason being is they put out a, a beautiful vinyl edition and a, a beautiful CD edition, which they've done since uh, they did the same for the incident. And uh, Stephen has done it throughout his solo catalog, put out really great deluxe versions. But yeah, I listened to it this morning, and that was my kind of pre-episode listen. And I, I there's there's nothing on it that just doesn't do it. I think it's I think it's perfect. Yeah. My favorite by far, Heard Calling. Mm -hmm. Holy shit, is that a beast of a song.
like it's and i love you see i'm wearing my last podcast on the left shirt today i love things about cryptids skinwalkers and that song totally plays into like it could be about skinwalker ranch i love it mm-hmm. and steven's like aggressive should i go vocal. change into my last podcast shirt <laughs> Oh man! Well, we we've been here almost three and a half hours. <laughs> oh yeah, so cool! I bet that was great when you when you saw the tour and the video's great too. Yeah, yeah. Should we uh, should we get into the tour? Because uh, if we want to talk about songs, we're gonna we're going to mention all of them. So whatever way you want to do it, I think I'll just do my highlights real quick, and then yeah. you can work you can yep. work yours into your live set. So. Uh, I, love, I love Walk the Plank. I think that's great. Um, now, now, can I interrupt? That's the track that Brian Lennon said was not the good one. I don't agree. I think, I think if anything, it's the one that um, might might have taken me two or three listens to kind of get into. But I don't. I I love it, and I don't dislike it. I I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know that I understand. It's funny you mentioned Explain that. what he's missing. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure, but I will say that would have been, before I did prep for this, that would have been the track that would have been like, if I had to rate them, I would have probably rated that at the bottom. But this time, listening to it on headphones, like really closely, it is so good. Like, I, I, I don't even know what I put at the bottom now, honestly. It's so well done. And no guitar on that one either, which is interesting. Brian Lennon's not a guitar guy, so it doesn't make sense at all. Right? So weird. Uh, Rats Return, it's a great short song. And then Chimera's Wreck. Oh. Is, is that the new saddest song in the catalog? It might be. Oh, oh my God, it's, it's so fucking good. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm afraid to be heavy and die. Die. Oh, 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 oh,
start again To dream again To fix the things That curse me from the start Oh, man, it was another one of those, man. Just right before getting on here, uh, yeah, I was just, like, getting set up, and that was playing, and I was like, oh, I, man, I'm so I'm so happy to be doing this episode today because I'm totally pumped up about this right now. Yeah, yeah it's it's so good. So yeah, good. so you saw, I believe, one show on this tour, right? Yeah, so I saw, uh, um, I saw one show, and... I did everything I could to avoid spoilers on every level. And I did. Uh, the thing that was most beautiful about this show, I don't know if anybody uh, out there, uh, any of your listeners, aside from Brian Lennon, uh, mm -hmm. have ever heard of Pods and Sods episode. But I did an episode on Iron Maiden with uh, my friend Ryan Leonardo, who was a friend of mine from elementary and middle school. Uh, we went many, many years without talking, and then I think we met up at a KISS concert in like 2009 and saw each other for the first time since we were kids. Uh, and then I didn't see him uh, again for uh, until we recorded the Iron Maiden episode, which was uh, maybe 2018 or somewhere around there, 2017. Yeah. And uh, I kept telling him, you really got to check out Porcupine Tree. Like, I, I really think this is, because he was starting to, he was always a metal guy. He was, he's who got me into Wasp. I, I remember <laughs> walking around in elementary school, had a, 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 a denim jacket with a Wasp cassette in my front pocket. It was in, yes. remember in shop class, like looking at it. And he completely got me into Wasp. We shared Kiss together. Um and Iron Maiden. He he really got me an Iron Maiden as a kid. And I was just like, you know, I need to repay you and you need to listen to Porcupine Tree. I think I think this is it for you. I, I can't remember exactly what it was he listened to, but he sent me the most enthusiastic message. And he was like, dude, this is this is fucking insane. Like this is this is some of the greatest music I've ever heard in my life. So the show came around. And I was originally going to go, uh, I bought a ticket for my boss who kind of backed out. And I was like, Ryan needs to see this. And he he is not close. Uh, so I thought it was a long shot. And I, I sent him a message and I was like, I don't know if you can do this, but this is going to be special. And I think I want to experience this with you. And he's like, I'm there. I'm there. And so we saw this concert together. Now he was just getting into the band and I told him, you know, if you see anything about the set list, you know, don't tell me. Now, what he had done was he made a playlist of the set list so that he could just get familiar with the what they were going to play. So he knew everything. And we went out to, to dinner beforehand. And he's like, give me some songs that would, like, surprise you. And I was like, well, they did say they were going to play something they've never played before. So, I mean... I don't know. I don't, or something from In Absentia they never played before. I was like, I, I don't know. I don't see them doing Half Light or Collapse the Light to Earth, so I have no idea what it could be. <laughs> uh, and he's like, well, what, what would you want to hear, like, of your favorites? And I was like, uh, you know, I, I don't know that we both arriving somewhere where we're not here and anesthetized, because that's a lot of real estate. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> I assume we're getting one of those, and, you know. 
I was like, I assume the first set will be all the first album. Um, aside from that, I don't know. We'll probably get trains, Halo, whatever. And uh, he was enjoying every second, knowing what was going to happen, <laughs> knowing that I had no idea, no idea at all. So we get there and um, it it is tied with the Radio City Music Hall in specialness for concerts that were the absolute best I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Stephen Wilson on the Hand Cannot Erase tour, also there, front row, right in front of him mind-blowing and that's my favorite solo album of his um and now that i'm thinking of it maybe that isn't the best uh album across all these because these porcupine tree ones are kind of coming up very close against it uh so i'm gonna run through the set and like what was a surprise and what wasn't uh it did open with the drone from even less uh from the in absentia tour uh so i was like okay it's a given they're gonna open with even less i find that weird maybe they're gonna you know do hard and Burden. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, but uh, it was a complete fake out. Uh, they opened with Blackest Eyes, which opening with something from In Absentia for me was just like, oh my god! Like I can't, I can't believe they they're reunited and this is happening, or you know, three quarters reunited and this is happening. And it was, it was one of those shows where just like the crowd was insane. Like they they couldn't believe it either. Like so many of those people were also waiting for this moment, and it was it was magical. So open with blackest eyes, and it was just complete nostalgia for me. Uh, and then he followed it by saying, you know, blackest eyes is some easy shit. We needed to get something easy out of the way before we dive into the album because this is this is the hard shit. And then we got. Paradin of the New Day and Rats Return, all of which were fantastic. Followed by even less. Oh, go ahead. Nice. That's that's a hell of a three pack. And you know, and, and I thought at that point, you know, they open with Blackest Eyes, they're gonna do the album now in full, which they did. They did even less, which is also which is always great to hear. Yeah. Another one, just great memories. Uh, pretty much played probably at every show I've seen. Full or um, short? Full or half version? Short. Okay. They they went back to the half. I was wondering uh, because you know he he was just like you know there will be surprises. I I will I won't give you any details, but knowing what you know and knowing what I know, you'll be you're going to be happy with some things. Um. So yeah, it was the regular album version of Even Less, but followed by Drown with Me, which I I would not have expected. Um. And it was. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Followed by the sound of, or uh, sorry, Dignity. Uh, again, just all of the new stuff really hit me, just being the first time I was hearing it live, and it all sounded so good. Uh, his voice was some of the, the strongest I'd, I'd ever, ever heard him. Uh, really nailing some of the loud stuff. And, you know, sometimes he would avoid that or kind of you know bring it down in intensity a little bit but he he went for everything that night which i really appreciated uh after dignity and sound of muzak which i expected at some point i was surprised it came this early i it's it's been an encore song for a long time uh and then uh a song where ryan turned to me and he was like okay this was not on the any of the other set lists um and it was half light uh which again i 
did not expect. Uh, and it might have been the only night that they played it. Um, it was. But yeah, and it, he had the he had the guitar, and uh, I was like, "Don't tell me what was replaced, but tell me after the show what it was." And it was oddly last chance to evacuate planet Earth because it is before it is recycled from <laughs> Lightbulb Sun, which I never would have expected ever. I don't think I'd seen that since In Absentia Tour, uh, and then ending set one with Camaro's wreck. Set two started, and again, complete nostalgia, opened with the film that they opened the Fear of a Blank Planet tour with, complete opening film, and opened with Fear of a Blank Planet, and it was the first time that I was just like, Blank Planet! God damn it! Yes! Uh, just because <laughs> it just, it hit me, it hit me in all the nostalgia feels. Like, it was, it was perfection. A perfect place to put it opening set to and it was just like you know just another blast from the past and the way it was executed was wonderful and followed by buying new soul from recordings which i never would have expected and is one of my absolute favorites um and then uh uh followed by walk the plank and heard calling which goddamn intense live holy shit if 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 you could have been there just to see that song uh you would have been happy just seeing that and leaving. It was it was that great. Um, and then anesthetize, which I, I kind of assumed was coming at that point, and that's the one that made the crowd go completely ape shit, as one might expect. Followed by one of the biggest surprises of the night, I drive the hearse. I was in tears as soon as they pulled out they they pulled out a stool for him, and I was like. There's no way because he would sit for time flies and I drive the hearse on the incident tour. And I was like, maybe they're going to do time flies. When he started, I drive the hearse. I was like, they're playing, I drive the hearse. Like, they're doing something from the fact it was like the elder for me. It was like being on the Kiss Cruise and hearing the oath and I. Yeah. Like, I was there and I'm like, they're doing something from the incident. Yes. And it was, I drive the hearse. And it was, it was so fucking good. At this point, crazy shit was happening to me like there was a guy that got ejected there was another guy at the end of our row that had a seizure from doing too much drugs Oof. um apparently at the front of the show somebody flipped out right in front of steven and he got ejected the guy that that got ejected next to me they were kind of carrying him up the steps in the dark and he was flailing it was a like all me motherfucker like during i drive the hearse uh -huh. the first time for this to happen yeah um but i was like you know, uh, those those inclines make me nervous anyway. A bunch, like five security guards, like literally carrying a guy whose arms and legs are maybe like six inches from our face was just like horrifying. Yeah. So uh, it was a very weird night. Uh, but uh, yeah, I drive the hearse. And then when they went to sleep together, I knew that was going to be the end of set two. The biggest surprise was the encore. Mm -hmm. Uh it started off with just Stephen and Richard. And as soon as I, and there was a little bit of tease, atmospheric teasing before the song. And I knew as soon as I heard like the chord, I was like, they're going to do collapse the light into earth. And I turned to Ryan and, and he just, and I had tears in my eyes and he just 
just nodded at me. He knew. He just he nodded at me. He's like, yeah, I knew this was going to be the moment for you. And it was. I'm tearing up now. Holy shit. And it was beautiful. They played it. The two of them never been played before this tour. Um, and then ended with Halo and Trains. The one thing that, that's really interesting is anyone who would have followed Steven's Instagram or YouTube channel would have had like a a serious heads up to what was being planned for this tour because he did these little uh, like pandemic recordings where he did acoustic, semi, not even acoustic, but stripped down versions where he would, you know, he recorded a drum track or a bass track, guitar track, and then you'd he'd cut them all together. Um, and he put up a few. Voyage 34, which is a very early Porcupine Tree EP, which was something he did say he was wanting to do on the future bites tour which would have been really interesting um but he also did collapse the light into earth and he did drown with me uh so when i saw things like that i was like well those songs were pulled out fairly recently and i wonder like even if at that point he was like there's a porcupine tree tour coming and uh that's maybe what threw those songs kind of into the front of his mind he also did the the last great American dynasty, uh, Taylor Swift song. So, you know, um, uh, which also riled the fan. But how dare he do that? How dare he I do a song it. by a teeny bopper? I love it too, and I love that he gave respect to that because early, um, in like the light bulb Sundays, he was like throwing throwing barbs at Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears. Uh, so to see him cover a Taylor Swift song, and I'm positive. It's because he has two stepchildren now, uh, teenage or or thereabouts maybe. Uh, but he he has been a Taylor Swift defender and um, did a cover of that song, and I loved it. And I loved him for doing it, you know. And it was just like, to anybody that thinks this is shitty, fuck you. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, this is me covering a Taylor Swift song. Your ass. Yeah. Uh, so I totally totally love that. So cool. So so cool. Yeah, I. Yeah, definitely check amazing. out the sessions. Uh, there are a bunch of them on YouTube. I think I think he ended up doing like six or seven songs in all, and they were all really. Re and last chance to evacuate planet Earth was one of them too, uh, mm -hmm. which again, you know, played every other night of this tour except this one. I didn't. I was fine missing it. Uh, and then sentimental was played uh, a number of nights too. We didn't get that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was obvious looking now at, at the songs he was doing during pandemic and then ending up in being the real surprises in this set list it's like it was under our nose all this time and even during the show i didn't even connect it and it wasn't until later that i was like oh yeah he he did do like all of these recently on youtube uh so yeah it was it was just it was an experience i never thought i'd have again and it it was uh you know it could have been ruined by something that you know would have not been done right but every piece was fantastic opening with older songs for both sets absolutely the right move i was i was just absolutely con convinced the first set was going to be all the first album and yeah. i'm glad they didn't because literally everything was a surprise and i was so happy for it and to be able to experience it with a friend of mine from childhood it doesn't get much better than that you know i i the only other i wish megan would have experienced it We've seen Stephen Wilson maybe three, four times together. I wish she would have been able to see Porcupine Tree. They're that important to me. Um, hopefully an, another time. But it was just a special, special. I wish she would have been there as well. I wish she could have yeah. seen it. 
it was uh, something else. And there will be a live release. So, uh, you know, we have that to look forward to. And I'm definitely excited about that. Yeah. I gotta Are say, you ready to go to bed now? <laughs> I just got to say, like, that was incredible. Like, I, you're, that, that's why I do this podcast. I want I, the love of the music and like our like special moments like that. And the way you told that story was so good. So very nice. And I'm super, super jealous. Uh, yeah, that collapsed light into earth. I watched uh, the YouTube performance. So, so good. I can only imagine what it was like live. I'm sure that was like, that just hits you in the chest. Um, but yeah. and just like the, like I said, the atmospheric thing kind of gave me the, I think this is what they're doing. But the second the piano came in, Again, I'm getting chills again. Like as soon as he hit that chord, bum bum bum, I was I was in heaven, absolute heaven. And just what a what a beautiful song and what a great placement for it, you know. And I don't think there's ever been a time that I've seen where, aside from like the Radio City Music Hall, where John Wesley, who was their additional guitarist on the uh, most of the later tours, left the stage during older songs. I don't think I'd ever seen a moment where just two of them were on stage doing something and it was perfection. It was absolute. And as soon as I just saw the two of them, I was like, I don't know what this is yet, but it's going to be something special. And oh my God, it couldn't have been better. I, I can't believe they're doing this. Um, it was, and, and yeah, I just wish, I hope my words convey it uh, because it, it was just, it's one of those moments that was just one of the greatest concert experiences of my life. Top three at the very least. I love it. And I hope to add it to my experience in the future. This album, fantastic. Welcome back, Porcupine Tree. Um, check it out. If you haven't, check it out. I wouldn't, I'd be surprised if you hadn't, if you're a Porcupine Tree fan, but great stuff. And that closes out today's album by album. Expect more from the Wilson verse in the future, but I will say um, the future looks bright, I think. Like Stephen kind of. After this? Are, are you still ready to do more after all this? In a month or so, <laughs> in a couple months. <laughs> no, this was great. I had a blast. Um, the future looks bright for this band. Uh, maybe it'll be a two, three, four more years before we get into the record. But something tells me this isn't the end. Like I don't know. Steven yeah, I hope not. We have a, a on it. yeah. We have another Stephen Wilson solo record coming out fairly soon. Harmony Codex. There's been listening events uh, on the other side of the globe. Uh, Pitch Black crazy surround experiences where the reviews I've seen were like, this is an amazing record. And um, I have no reason to doubt it. He hasn't really let me down yet. There are, you know, things that fall below other things, but I, I don't know. I, it's, I'm super excited for, for that, you know? Yeah. I'm definitely hoping that we can do a little like post album reaction episode just for fun. I think that'll be great. And then be sure. To I'm here. In. Tune in in December. We're going to hit Stupid Dream and Light Bulb Sun as a sort of little present under the porcupine tree for you all. But Craig, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you for like bringing all this extra information, sharing these stories. Like it, it was incredible. Like this was a lot of fun. And this is going to be another epic two parter, much like Billy Joel was. We're almost at four hours of porcupine tree well, talk. The, the pleasure is mine. And again, any podcast that I don't have to do research for other than go online and pull up set lists is uh is i'll do it anytime um nice. and uh and and also i'm i'm super glad that that you fell into this rabbit hole it's it's a fun one there's so much in it um and also if i might if i could just say as an ending you know anybody that that got through this far 
um, and just has any sort of interest, do yourself a favor and Google Stephen Wilson discography PDF. There is um, a PDF. I, I believe the the guy who put it together. I believe his name is you. Uh, I don't have it up uh, right now, or else I would absolutely credit him. Um, uh, it is uh, a, a PDF discography. Uh, it is you, Aberly, if, if that's how it's pronounced. He also ran a website. Um, and it is currently, there have been a few releases. It's a PDF and it is currently 923 pages. It is the complete, or at least up into 2021, complete Stephen Wilson discography. Every side project, uh, every release, promo, uh, video release, everything, uh, singles, guest appearances it's all here and it's it's amazing it it's worth just even scrolling through to be just like holy shit that guy is pretty pro prolific it's 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 great and you know you he doesn't slow down like keep waiting for the time where he's gonna be like yeah i'm gonna take a take a break but he's good for a couple albums a year in various means and also now he's found himself a niche as you know a a remixer and curator for uh like deluxe editions for classic bands like king crimson and yes he he did a surround mix of kiss destroyer uh he's done tears for fears uh he's kind of the guy and yeah. one of the reasons is because aside from these songs being so great and if you replace the original versions of in absentia and dead wing with the new ones you will not find albums that are better produced in 2023. These albums sound fantastic. He, he's he got the ear. Uh, so even if it's not your thing, his music, you probably enjoy one of his remixes of a classic album. Uh, it, it's incredible. Um, and yeah, he's he's to this day my favorite. I think he's a genius and I think he's at the top of the pile. Absolutely above a Carl Perkins. <laughs> Agreed. I, I will say he has the golden ear and he also just his love for music. You can tell it's there. I love his podcast. I think that's worth checking out if you haven't. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I was, I, I was going to bring that up. So, so good. Uh, if you want to hear yeah, him rant, our, our friend, yeah, God. If you want to hear him rant against McCartney too, which is hilarious, go check it out. Yeah, even Brian, our, our friend Brian Jacobs, who's uh, also been featured on the Pods and Sides Network, he's not particularly into Stephen Wilson's music, but he loves the podcast. Uh, and the podcast he does is with Tim Bonus, who he was in a band with before Porcupine Tree called No Man. And uh, in each episode, they pick a year and talk about releases from that year. It's great. Um, I've discovered some really cool things uh, from that. And he also just put out, I think it's called Intrigue. It's a four CD set he curated of experimental stuff from uh, 80s bands, like kind of new wavy bands, a loose term, but, um, and, and that's great as well. He's, he's definitely a music guy, one of the music guys. So he, if anything, respect for that. Because he's he's just uh, he's all over the place with that stuff. Incredible knowledge and just wonderful. Yep, absolutely. Like, in fact, a dream episode for me would be not just to interview him, but also be like, okay, let's sit down and I know you love Kate Bush. Let's go through the Kate Bush albums. I bet that would be a blast. <laughs>
when he when he talks about ABBA, I might get an erection every time he mentions <laughs> ABBA on the podcast. Um, and, or when I see him in an ABBA shirt, he's a huge ABBA guy, and I love it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been we've been frothing at the helmet to talk about this stuff all week. Jesus Christ! And I just made that uh, one up, by the way. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. Yeah, it was a pretty good one. <laughs> oh man, Greg, thank you so much. I, I love calling you a friend. You. It's it's great hanging out with you. Um, we'll be doing this again in the not too distant future, and hopefully, in the not too distant future, I'll be on your show to talk about Lana Del Rey. I I think that's probably what's going to be coming up next. If we're going to be completely honest, uh, yes. I think people can look forward to that. I don't know, in the next month or two, maybe? We'll see what we can work yes. out. All right. Well, till next time, I'm the Sly Dog. Peace, love, rock and roll. When this freedom states my coat With the winter in my throat Silence is another way of saying what I want to say. Lying is another way of hoping it will go away. And you were always my mistake. Silence is another way of saying what I want to say. Lying is another way, hoping it will go away. You were always my
Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.